This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Go Vols 24-7 post-game podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker, following quite the basketball game, if you want to call it a basketball game. It was more of a free-throw shooting contest on top of a WWE match inside like a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, it, it it was it was quite the basketball game. Uh, it, again, if you want to call it a basketball game, Tennessee loses its first game of the season to Purdue, seventy-one to sixty-seven. Uh, Wes, I, I just I, I'm struggling <laughs> to 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 understand what I need to take away from this basketball game because. At the end of the day, I just think it's kind of hard to take away from a basketball game that featured as many free throws in the game and as many fouls in the game that were called. I mean, it was absolutely uh, a foul fest on Tuesday night in Hawaii as uh, 51 fouls were called and 78 free throws were attempted by both teams. Yeah, Ben, uh, first off, I'll just quickly apologize. There was a reason why I wasn't on the first pod that we had today, the football podcast, because I sound the way you're going to hear me sound for the next however many minutes we do this. My voice has just been terrible this week. I just, it's that time of year. It is what it is. Uh, so apologies on the front end for that. But yeah, Ben, I, I think a few things from that game, actually. I, I think the, the first thing is, it's just now official, if it wasn't before, anytime Tennessee plays Purdue in anything, it's going to be a weird game with some stuff that we really can't explain. Uh, it seems like in in football now, multiple times in basketball, it's just come down to some weird stuff that it's just kind of hard to explain some of it. Um, but but I think on a on a series, do you want me to go micro or macro first? Because I got like a micro thought and a macro thought about like this let, game. Let, let let let's go uh, if if we're talking just macro about this individual basketball game then 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 let's let's talk about that that foul fest before we get into to some of the minutiae yeah no I, I think the I think it all kind of ties in with, with, with the macro point that I have which is that you know this has happened a few times I don't think it's ever quite happened with 48 free throws attempted by one team in a 40 minute basketball game I think that's six or eight more than any 
one has ever attempted against Rick Barnes it, in, it, in a game. It's quite literally the most free throws ever attempted against Rick Barnes at Tennessee, 48 tonight uh, by Purdue. The previous high was Ole Miss back in 2017. I believe they made 28 of their 42 free throws that day. So uh, it, it is a new Rick Barnes high while at Tennessee. Yeah, I think the big picture thing that I think, and, and this is not just pertaining to this team, this game, but it's in general, is that I don't know why it took me kind of this long to figure this out, but I think tonight I finally found an answer I've been looking for for a long time. And that's the way to explain this. There are two things at play here. One of them is that college basketball officiating, as we know, I I think I'm probably been leading the charge on this my entire career about saying it's just frustratingly, ridiculously, agonizingly inconsistent. And that is... I guess never going to change. It's never changed in the you know couple decades I've been doing this, but that's only one part of it. The other part of it is Tennessee is about as physical as you will see a college basketball team be. Just like in terms of this era, especially Tennessee is an incredibly difficult team to officiate. And what I mean by that is Tennessee Rick Barnes knows the rules as well as anybody. And he coaches his guys to kind of live on that line, right? Like of, of, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, you know, like little kids do. Like to really get up in your business, but not foul you. And when you do that, you're going to foul some. But Tennessee is so physical that it puts a lot of stress on officials in games. And we know that point number one is that these officials are erratic. And they always have been, probably always will be. So while Tennessee plays this style, this is just going to happen sometimes. There's just going to be games like this because we see this, right? I mean, Ben, every time Tennessee plays a game, the opposing bench is just furious almost the entire game because Tennessee is so physical that it's like, do you want to call this all day long or do you want to let this slide? And there are times where officials will just keep calling it and keep calling it and keep calling it and that that makes it there's that just makes things like this happen where there's occasionally going to be really stupid games like this where teams keep going to the foul line because Tennessee puts pressure on officials and they do this like I, I think that on top of Zach Eady being man mountain you can't take your eyes off the guy so anytime you have like a slight tug on the guy's shirt everybody's gonna see it because you're not gonna notice the seven foot four sequoia tree in the middle of the court so everything about that sort of came together and made that game what it was. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's a combination of factors that, you know, I'm kicking myself for not seeing earlier. That's what I think anyway. I just think Tennessee, the way it plays, occasionally something like this can happen, and, and it happened tonight. I, I don't disagree with, with what you were saying. I, I just do believe that this is more on the – extreme end and fluky end than something that Tennessee calls because even everything that you just described, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Maybe it can be at times this depending on a referee's tendencies, but tonight was just such an asinine two and a half hours of of college basketball. I mean, it it took two and a half hours to, to finish a college basketball game 
because they were they they shot a ridiculous uh, amount of free throws. Seventy eight combined between the two teams. Fifty one fouls were called, and I, I think what speaks to it being fluky and just ridiculously over the top is just how mad Rick Barnes got in that first half to to call, to get that technical foul called on him. Uh, you, you do not see Rick Barnes get that angry. I, I think, just off the top of my head, I think that's the angriest I've ever seen Rick Barnes at Tennessee at a referee. The only other time that I can think of is when he got, I believe he was called for a technical foul in the Sweet 16 game against Purdue, no less, when that awesome gif of him pushing Folky yes. uh, came into existence yes. And, yes. and was explaining to the referee what happened by pushing Folky. That, that's the that that's the the only other time that I can think of Rick being that mad. Uh, and I mean, he was irate even before he got the technical. There were a couple of times where, where he was storming up and down his side of the floor, yelling at the refs. And um, I think we talked about this on, on one of the recent basketball podcasts that we, that we've done that the conversation and this narrative that, that Rick Barnes isn't fiery enough on the sideline that that is a, a overblown storyline. Rick Barnes is very fiery on the sideline. You and I are at just about every single basketball game, certainly at every home game, and, and anybody in attendance can see Rick Barnes be very fiery over the course of the, the basketball game, and he does not shy away from getting after refs. Just because he is not Bruce Pearl and John Kyle Perry yelling and screaming and throwing a tantrum on the sideline every single second of every game doesn't mean that Rick Barnes isn't fiery. So when you see Rick Barnes go to the extreme like he did tonight, and, and he had every right to be upset uh, because there, with that little stretch there, Edie was pushing off and elbowing in the back and the back of the neck, and, and he had every reason to be angry. And when you see Rick Barnes go that far, you, you know that it, it, it's a little – more ridiculous than Tennessee's physical nature just kind of taking over, I think. Yeah, I would be interested to know and file this under things that I should have looked up before we started talking about this, but how many times the, those that crew of referees or the, those guys individually had called games with Zach Eady in them? Because he is a guy that – remember when Shaq was in the NBA and we see this sometimes with guys where it's like they're so damn big, how do you call and what do you call? Like, apparently, three seconds doesn't exist. Apparently, he's so large that there's a loophole in the book that he can just, like, can you play half-court offense? Not without him being in the lane the whole time. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but th that game, the way those teams play, the way Tennessee plays as physically as it wants to play, combined with how ZD, or ZD, like he's food, um, <laughs> I sound like the, 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 that, that new Geico commercial or whatever well, uh, with, the, with the NFL player. But, no, it, it's... Edie is no NFL player. Wes. Re retired, no, no retired. Taylor Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Okay. Oh no, he's not in that one. I'm talking about the the big uh, the big offensive tackle. He does the games on uh, Amazon now. Played at LSU forever. Oh, uh, Whitworth. Uh, yeah, Whitworth. Yeah, Whitworth. I thought you were commercial. talking about the Mahomes commercial that Travis oh, no, Kelsey no, 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 and no, Pat no. Mahomes. That's a good one. In. A good one though. But no, the 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 one that like Edie is so large that it's like when he makes certain moves. They're not where normal human body parts would be because where he's moving. So he can probably be a really hard guy to call games. And I watch enough Big Ten to know that there are games like this where it seems like he can't, where he kind of gets targeted. 
and there are games where he can do whatever he wants because I think at that size, he's just hard to deal with. And Tennessee plays really physically. Like a lot of the stuff Awaka did was 100% fouls. Like they just were. Uh, and Adu, most of his looked like legitimate fouls to me. My, my issue is like the, the inconsistency with which things were called. Like that call on Ganey in the second half late in the game when it just, I don't know what he did. Um, to be fair, there were a couple fouls they called on on Heedy that I'm not sure were fouls. Like he he got away with stuff, and then he got called for stuff that didn't exist. There was no flow to it. There was no rhythm. And I would be saying these exact same things if Tennessee won the basketball game. It was just, I I think it got to a point where I would like to see. And there are things Tennessee could control, and I we need to talk about that in the second segment. But that was one of those things where. Like an association of officials and coaches need to get together and talk about games like that and ask all everyone in the room needs to ask, what do we want this to be? Like, what do we want this sport to be? Because you have refs that are kind of they're calling a lot of stuff and teams aren't really adjusting to it. But then again, there's times where calls are being made. They don't have to be made. And it's like no one involved is doing what they should be doing. None of them are. And it makes like that should be a marquee event for college basketball. Two fantastic teams with some NBA players, future NBA players on them, really, really good college basketball teams in a marquee kind of neutral site game this early in the year. This is a banger, man. This is this should be a layup. This should be really entertaining. And for the first 10, 15 minutes, it was, I thought. And it just got ridiculous. And what do we want this to be? Like it it can't be. I get that it's a supercharged atmosphere, two Final Four contenders, yada, yada, but man, somebody at some point had to make a change in that game. Either the coaches and the players had to back off a little bit or do something different, or the refs had to let some stuff go. Because at some point it just became, for large stretches, sort of unwatchable. And I, I tweeted you know, early in the game and put on our board too, like, this is fun. And then as soon as I did that, it seemed like it, like it was the kiss of death. Like it just became less and less fun the moment after I said that. And it just shouldn't have been like that. And that's a shame because they had a great stage tonight to put on a good show. And I don't think it was a great look for college basketball. No, it, it was not. And it's why I know people who are strictly college basketball fans and don't like the NBA. I know they don't like hearing this, but it's why the NBA is a better product right now than than college basketball. The, the actual basketball is much easier to watch because it's not a, a constant foul fest. And look, the NBA has had its issues with, with refereeing as well. Uh, now, th- their issues are, are more throwing out technicals left and right and that leading to ejections, and, and nobody wants to, to show up and, and watch you throw out Nikolai Jokic and pay all that money to go watch Jokic play, and then you as a ref are, are being sensitive and uh, teeing him up twice in a game to, to result in him being ejected. So they, they do have their issues as well. But in terms of the actual basketball flowing throughout the game, it, it flows so much smoother at, at that level. Uh, and, and those referees are, are more full-time than, than college referees. And I, I, we could have a whole podcast of, of what needs to change. It just and I'm, sucks. I'm sure. you, I mean, think, think of how many fans – I mean, you know, we looked into it as a company flying out there just because it's football season at the end of it. It's kind of tough. And 
you know, it, it's kind of being, it is what it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we did, we decided not to go, but like a lot of people spent a lot of their own money to go out there, like fans and stuff. And, and you're in Hawaii, so I'm sure you're having a blast, but for two and a half hours, is that what you flew across the country to, to see across like the world basically to see that that's, that's what sucks is that this was a, this should have been like a final four type atmosphere tonight. And, and it just, it kind of, the game was exciting, but it was also kind of crummy at the end. It, it was very crummy. Uh, and everything that you said a moment ago was where I was going. It, it's not that it was one-sided and, and it screwed Tennessee. Uh, I, I do think if you had to pick which side benefited from the whistle more, it was absolutely Purdue. I mean, they were Tennessee was called for 10 more fouls than, than Purdue was. Uh, and they shot more free throws than, than Tennessee did. So I, I do think if you had to pick a side of who the whistle benefited more, I do think it was Purdue. Uh, I, I thought both teams had, had a reason to be very, very frustrated. So these complaints, I know I speak for you as well when I say this, it, it's not two Tennessee guys who cover Tennessee griping about the officials because it, it, it harmed Tennessee. It was bad both ways. And, and like you said, you hit the nail on the head, the – the thing the, the worst part about it was just a lack of consistency. And uh, I thought Jay Billis did uh, a great job of, of highlighting it late in the game. Uh, th- there was no consistency in what was being called in the, the first half was not being called in the second half or what wasn't being called in the first half was now being called in the second half. So the players don't know how to adapt and, and, and play within the, the flow of the game because there was no flow because it was dictated by the referees. So the, the inconsistencies were, were absolutely uh, the, the worst part, and, and, it, and it absolutely took away from what should have been an awesome basketball game that featured a, a, a top-ten matchup, and that was very, very disappointing. Yeah, I think – and I see a lot of people that are, that are some Tennessee fans and stuff on, on different socials and in and, and our site and other places that – have seemed to be really cross with Billis tonight. And admittedly, we normally are like covering the game and not kind of watching it alongside people. But I didn't think, I thought there were several times in that second half where Billis, there were fouls called on Tennessee and he was like, that's not a foul. Like I can think of two or three times off the top of my head that he said that. I mean, I I didn't think it was anything like that. I think there were two times where ED was called for fouls that weren't fouls. And he said those weren't fouls and because they weren't fouls. (laughs) But there were other times where I think he kind of, called it the other way I didn't I get fans being upset during games but I didn't I thought that was a little bit a little bit over the top but but I just it's frustrating because like those teams still kind of conspired to give us a decent game even though despite all that but you just you know you wish you could see part of me is like I would love those teams to play again and just start from scratch and just kind of forget that happened and go try to play an actual basketball game but maybe the way those two teams play, maybe that just would never happen. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer there. But, I mean, I know that Tennessee plays the game a certain way, and Barnes said it at halftime. He said it, Ben. He said we're, we're, he said, we're going to play the way we play. And if we have to finish this game with all guards because our front court fouls out, that's what we're going to do. And he was really fiery about that. And you know what? For a while there, late in the game, he did have six foot six Josiah Jordan James uh, trying to front seven foot four Zach Eady uh, because Awaka and Adu were fouled out. So yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I hope we transition in the second segment, and I think we will to talking about some things I think from that game that Tennessee needs to take away from it that have nothing to do with the way it was officiated. Some of it good, some of it bad, but 
it's just hard not to talk about when there are that many free throws in a game and you see one team take 48 of them. I don't know how the first thing you talk about is anything else. I just, I just don't No, It was by far the, the storyline. And uh, the, the, there are obviously a couple of thoughts that, that I have from the actual basketball, but for the most part, I'm just crumbling up that basketball game and, and throwing it away. And I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, because I, I don't know how you can read too much into the actual basketball when zero rhythm can be established, zero flow can be established because of the consistent, which is funny to say this, the consistent, inconsistent whistle. It it, it just completely ruined the basketball game. But uh, I, I do have a couple of actual basketball thoughts. But that was the storyline coming out of the game. It, it, it's being talked about by the Tennessee media. It, it's being talked about by the Purdue media. And, it, and it's being talked about by the national media uh, about just how awful of a foul fest that was. So you absolutely had to start there. Yeah, and I think, but the reason I started where I did start in this segment about this is that I think this is not going to be the first time. It won't be this extreme, but there will be other moments like this in games for Tennessee this season because you can already see the storyline. It's out there. It's already being talked about. You saw this during the Wisconsin game. You, you saw this a little bit during the Syracuse game. The, the word is kind of out there. People think that Tennessee is just basically out there hacking people for 40 minutes. And we don't, like, officials don't live in bubbles. The, 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 the people around the game, they don't live in bubbles. They're going to see this. They're going to hear this. That's going to be out there. This is going to be a storyline. And during the season, you will see some more games where opponents are going to shoot a comical number of free throws because... It's just where this thing is going. That's all I'm saying. And I am going straight to that topic after this quick break here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Go Vols 24-7 postgame podcast following Tennessee's interesting 71-67 loss to number two Purdue in the Maui Invitational on Tuesday evening. 
Uh, I am joined by Wes Rucker here on the Post Game Podcast. And before we continue our discussion, would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you do get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. And if you don't mind sending the link to the pod to a friend that you know likes podcasts but hasn't quite found our podcast just yet, or even somebody who who loves the Vols and isn't quite into podcasts as you, still sit it their way anyways. Maybe they're irate with the referees and, and maybe they want to 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 vent with 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 other people who are frustrated with the referee and and the whistle that that was on Tuesday in Honolulu send it their way we would greatly appreciate that as well Wes picking up on the conversation that we left off on before we hit the break uh I I don't I don't disagree with, with what you were saying about this being a storyline and a narrative going forward. I, I don't, but I also you do. I, I also don't think that Tennessee is just going to be called for 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 ticky tacky fouls all of a sudden, and and like now all of a sudden their rep is is going to become just that that they they hack all the time and and that they foul all the time. The, Tennessee plays great defense way more often than not and in my opinion tonight's foul fest had more to do with Zach Eady being a freak and just really no team in the country being equipped to handle Zach Eady whereas when Tennessee plays other teams they're not going to have to deal with Zach Eady therefore he's not going to be a nightmare matchup like he is for everybody else in the country there is a reason he won the national player of the year last year and might win it again this year and be a two-time national player of the year i just i i think the issues tonight defensively for tennessee if if you want to say that uh they they were obviously not helped by the whistle but uh to to strictly lead the whistle out of it if if we can for a moment like Zach Eady is a freak Zach Eady is a problem and and there's not a team that can team in the country that can defend him so when they get back to playing normal college basketball players they're not going to have a hard time defending those players because Tennessee is an elite defensive basketball team yeah I'm not particularly worried at all about Tennessee's defense I mean some of the stuff that happened tonight was you know things that are going to happen occasionally like you know Vescovy's a very creative crafty player who's very very good at initiating contact very good for lack of a better word, very, very good at getting away with fouls. And um, tonight, it seemed like just about all the fouls on him were were him doing some stuff that he does all the time, but like it got caught this game. But he does that kind of stuff a lot. The offhand stuff, pushing, like... But so, so that, that stuff's going to happen. That's, that's just going to happen a few times a year. But uh, yeah, I mean, Edie is a unicorn. And there are people who kind of were... A couple people were, were talking to me earlier about... You know, like how how does Tennessee, you know, not have like a, you know, more of a traditional center? I'm like, well, you don't see a lot of them in basketball. The, 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 it's a different game. And seven foot four players like Edie, they're they're they've always been unicorns, but they're much even more unicorny, I guess you would say now, because you just don't see a lot of that kind of stuff, which is why, you know, Wimbanyama's an alien from another planet. But he he is so large but also skilled in some ways that he is really hard to deal with. Like we saw Tennessee tech has a guy who's probably even bigger. He might be seven foot five. They list that dude at seven, two, that dude's seven, five. I'm telling you, he was at least seven, four, but he wasn't as skilled, right? There's a reason he's at Tennessee tech, 
like Edie's he's crafty man. He knows how to get away with stuff. He knows how to he he's got some coordination. He can kick the ball out to open guys for threes. He knows how to turn his body to set screens just by turning. There's a lot of little stuff that he does, and Painter's a really good coach at a lot of this stuff too. He, they draw people into weird games, and they make you play a way that you don't see a lot during the year, and it can just be hard for you. Now, their problem, like Tennessee's in some ways, is kind of stringing together the wins in the postseason and, and taking that next step that way, But because they were by far maybe the best team in the country last year for a lot of the year. And, and so, but they are very good. They are very good. They identify recruiter, recruiting players very, very well. They develop them, and they play a unique system with a unique unicorn in the middle. And so, yeah, you're right, Ben. I mean, Tennessee, we say this, and they might play Hunter Dickinson tomorrow, who's a different kind of unicornish kind of player, but there's only one Edie out you there. Can, you can deal with Hunter Dick, Dickinson, a very talented player. He's busted Tennessee already once in his career, but you you can manage him better than Zach Edie because Zach Edie's just an, an abnormal freak, and I say that in the kindest, most respectable way possible. Yeah, he's seven foot four. I mean, there's not, you know, it's going to be like, how's the weather up there? Like, you're not going to not notice that, right? Like, it's like somebody walks in and has three arms. You're going to be like, oh, hey, that person's got three arms. Like, it, it, it's he's seven foot four. Like, it is what it is. He's large. But yeah, it's not just like he's just there. He's also got some skill to him and he's smart. And it, it it's hard to deal with a guy like that. That's no excuse because I think Tennessee could have done some things better. Um, I thought they defended him about as well as you, sure. you could. No, the problems came uh, from I, I the I thought Tobey Awaka showed a lot of grit and, and fought his rear end off, mm-hmm. especially coming back from an ankle injury. You made a great point last night or yesterday when we recorded the pod after the Syracuse win. You, you don't typically see guys come back the next day when when they don't come back from a turned ankle within that game. Yeah. And, and maybe Tennessee didn't play him the rest of the game against Syracuse after he turned his ankle because they knew they had this matchup tonight, kind of saving him. But you typically – it was surprising to see Tobey come back and, and be the first one off the bench and, and play as much as he did. And, and I didn't really notice a, a limp tonight. Uh, I, I thought he fought his, his rear end off. I, I thought Jonas did the best that he could. Uh, Jonas, not the 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 beefiest guy. Just kind of yeah. kind of stand there with your hands up and and hope you get in the in the way. If if you're Jonas, Gumby a little and bit, yeah. J, JP, he he had more of a freshman moment today than he did yesterday. Continuing to bite on the pump fakes, you, you could t- see the coaches uh, getting frustrated with him and reminding him, hey, don't 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 bite on the the pump fakes and and stay down. And and he struggled with that a couple of different times. And, and Cade Phillips. Just a, a little too light in the britches, I, I think, to, hand, to to hang with a Zach Eady right now. I, I just don't know what Tennessee could have done differently to, to defend him. I, I just think, aside from the fouls, like tonight just had more to do with, with Zach Eady just being a, a nightmare matchup than anything else. Yeah, and I felt for Phillips, too. He had a classic freshman moment when Ziegler put the entire defense for Purdue in a spin cycle and left them all basically dusted and made an unbelievable entry pass that should have been a catch and a dunk. And Phillips just kind of had the ball squirt through his hands. And it was like, yeah, freshman, like it's going to happen. But I think to a larger point, Ben, I think things like that, this is a really good reminder. The older players on Tennessee's team shouldn't need it and probably don't. But for some of those younger guys on Tennessee's team and even connecting Ganey and those kind of guys too, 
this game is a really good reminder that there is not a single insignificant possession in a game of this magnitude. Because right there, you know, if Phillips just catches that ball, that's two points, right? You, you think about Tennessee only turned it over 10 times, but a few of them were just really dumb, careless moments that shouldn't have happened. That's throwing away points, right? I mean, little things like that. You're never going to play a perfect game, but if you want to be beating the best teams in the country, even if you are one of the best teams in the country, you can't throw away moments like that. And they add up. They they do. Like the couple of little things that Vescovy got called for, like those gave Purdue some free throws that maybe they, they shouldn't have had, right? I mean, and that kind of stuff adds up. Like it's little things like that that have a cumulative effect. And there were just too many missed opportunities for Tennessee tonight, right? Like we've seen them miss shots. So again, like I don't think that's okay, but it does happen sometimes. Uh, James kind of didn't shoot the ball at all tonight. What, he take three or four shots? That's kind of all he did. Um, you know, Vescovy, again, didn't make a shot from the field. You know, the, there's a couple of things that, you know, they just got to play a little bit better. And I think they can, and I'm sure they probably will. But there's little things, Ben, that before they – like, you can talk about the officials all day, and we could have, and I'm glad we didn't. But there was a list of things just looking in the mirror for Tennessee – that if they do those simple things better, they win the game. They played hard. They did a lot of good things, fought back from some adversity, but they had a chance in that game and they kind of they kind of hurt themselves. Yeah, it, it was just a real struggle offensively all night long. Uh, the post players couldn't really do much offensively because of Zach Eady and, and his presence. Uh, but then Dalton Connect was on fire in the first half, 13 points, and, and then it's like the Monstars zapped them at halftime and, and didn't score until there was 14 seconds left, and it was kind of inconse- inconsequential at, at that point, uh, knocking down that three-pointer when, when Tennessee was down by by six. Um, I mean, just he, he disappeared in, in the second half, which was odd to see. Don't know if something was bothering him. Uh, Santiago Vescovi, I, I thought Santi played well, eight of 10 at the free throw line, did all the other great things that, that yeah. he typically does, but the, the shot's still not quite falling for him. Uh, Zakai Ziegler shot still not quite falling, uh, for him. Ganey was, was bad until he kind of got on a heater there, uh, in, in the second half and he scored all 15 of his points in, in the second half. And, and most of that came down the stretch when, when Tennessee really, really needed it. So, uh, that that was good to see him get going and and get going when it mattered most. Uh, very weird to in hindsight see that Josiah only scored three points on on four yeah. shots. Didn't really notice that throughout the course of the game because the 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 fouls and the free throws were were such a, a conversation. But Josiah's got to take more than four shots. He, he's too good of a shooter. We've seen him not do that. To. We've seen him do it. I was surprised that J- Jamai played as few minutes as he did in the second half. Don't. Don't know if something was was bothering him. Don't know if he did something to to really get in the doghouse. Uh, but Jamai only playing four minutes in in the second half was was very confusing to me. Now he did end up with the the worst plus minus in the second half, uh, minus thirteen. So again, maybe he did something within those four minutes that I did not catch live uh, that irritated Rick Barnes. Uh, but I, I just don't think Jemai Meshack, especially when you're struggling to produce offense, I don't I don't think he should be not not that he's some offensive juggernaut, but he is a guy that can can maybe create offense when the offense isn't going for you by getting to the rim, by getting into the paint, by 
a, a pull-up jumper. Uh, so four minutes, I, I was very curious about that. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I, I go back to what I said earlier, Wes. There, there were some some offensive performances tonight that absolutely make you raise your eyebrow. But I I am throwing this performance out the window. And, and maybe here in a couple of weeks, maybe at some point in SEC play, we'll, we'll come back and revisit this. Uh, but but right now I'm I'm kind of throwing this performance out the window uh, because it's really the first performance of the performance like this of the season, and it so happens to be on a night where it was just an absolutely ridiculous night from the referees and uh, hard to, in my opinion, it's unfair to judge somebody offensively when it is impossible to get into any type of rhythm because a foul call is being called every thirty seconds. Yeah, there were a couple of weird things I did want to mention before I get out of here. One of them was that possession late where Jordan Ganey lost his shoe and Tennessee did not take a timeout and just had him play for like 20-plus seconds with one shoe. thought that was a little weird. He's one of your best scorers. You might want him to have both shoes on during a possession. I thought that was kind of interesting. I Also, that, that, that late-game strategy there, letting that much clock burn off and then committing a foul. It's like, what what are you doing there? I hope that's just early season rust or somebody having a brain cramp because that looked bad. That was not smart. Um, and I, I do think we there was no rhythm in that game. There were, yes, we can throw a lot of the stuff out there. But I don't think that, and it's unfortunate that every time Tennessee loses a basketball game, it becomes a referendum on Rick Barnes' entire existence and the existence of these players. It's dumb as H E double hockey sticks. It is. It is mostly very dumb. But we do see the script. Like you can see why people take it too far, but you can see the bones of that argument at the very least, because it's a familiar script. These long stretches where there's just no offense and really no timeouts called to talk about it. No, Rick Barnes just wants to let his guys play through it. Um, guys getting a little tentative, guys making bad turnovers in those moments. Um, that kind of stuff is a concern. I don't know how it wouldn't be because again, when you have it, when you have an Achilles heel like that and it pops up, people are going to, I mean, how could you blame people for at least acknowledging it? Like it's there, but you know, I, you just hope that, you know, connect gets used to playing against these kind of this kind of competition on a consistent basis. Uh, Purdue clearly made some adjustments on him in the second half. Painter talked about that uh, at the break that connect was killing him, and they needed to do some stuff to kind of contain him. And I think they did like Barnes made some adjustments. He noticed how much, how grabby Purdue was on those screens and cuts. And he got Purdue in the bonus in seven minutes in the second half by just running screens and cuts and letting the officials call it all day because Purdue was taking the bait. So both coaches are good. They're going to make adjustments, but you know, the good thing about having old players is that they're old players and they're experienced. The bad news is there's a really big book on them and you know how to kind of bother them. So at some point, these Tennessee players, if they really want to change the narrative, you know, they stop following a familiar track when you're losing games. That's what I would say. I, I would say that the referees don't need to call 51 fouls. I agree with that too. That's the first we talked about it first for a reason. That's I mean I agree. I, I just I don't want to I don't want to condone how nuts people get about this stuff with this particular team and this particular coach. I don't want to condone that. I don't want to feed that fire at all. 
but I don't think we can just ignore the fact that at least the argument has at its base level, something that you can understand, which is that you see how I am choosing to ignore it tonight when this is the first performance that they've had this season in which they've done that. And it so happens to fall on the same night in which the referees could not stop blowing their whistle. That's fair. I just, I see things like Josiah Jordan James taking four shots and, you know, Vescovy not hitting shots from the field. And those things are going to happen, but it just, there's little things like that. There's little, but, but, but just don't make it a habit. It's going to happen. Don't make it a habit. Don't make it a habit because that. So far this season, he has not. No, he hasn't. But again, uh, now, now Santi come out firing is, tomorrow. Is, come out firing tomorrow. Well, and we'll touch on that in, in a second tomorrow because I think tomorrow could be interesting. But like Santi and Zakai are, are still struggling uh, with yeah. their shot mostly. Uh, Santi is playing great basketball right yeah, now, except for shots are not falling for him. Whereas, and I thought Zakai got better as the game went on tonight, but Zakai's shot still isn't falling and he's still a little sloppy. Uh, with the basketball in his hands and, and a little turnover prone at the moment. But do we really think that these two guys aren't going to get it going at some point? No, I don't. I I think they're going to get it going. I mean, Which I, is why, like, why are we wasting, and I'm not talking to you when I say this, why are we wasting our breath mentioning it or being worried about it? I don't know if you remember the old uh, the show, the, the Colbert Rapport, when he used to have that segment that was on notice. And he was like, you know, I'm not calling you out right now, but you're on notice. That's what I would say. Like, it's not a problem yet guys but it's a little on notice like let's let's not let's not fall into these dirty there's a reason why coaches talk about bad habits right what do coaches talk about all the time you know how hard it is to fix a bad habit it is so hard to fix a bad habit and you know sometimes it's human nature to fall into these things when when things aren't going right and i i just i would like to have seen a different response in some situations and maybe we'll see that tomorrow i think that would be that would be fine. I mean, of course, since he might be playing the number one team in the country, just like what, tw- like 16 hours after playing the number two team in the country. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. And we'll see what Ziegler can do tomorrow with his with his knee and all that. But, yeah, I mean, tomorrow's a really good opportunity to flush it. Absolutely. I just. I I, I feel like there's just a lot of wasted hot breath on, on one performance that was largely dictated sure. because of of, of how happy the the whistle was and and i hate to continue to to talk about the refs and and put a lot of the game on the refs. i'm I'm not saying that tennessee lost because of the refs i'm saying that the refs dictated how the game was played and that had a a law i mean even purdue was not able to get in a rhythm offensively they just hit technically they didn't make more shots than than tennessee uh, because each team each made 19 shots for the game. Uh, the difference was uh, Purdue made eight more free throws and made eight more free throws because they shot 18 more free throws. So it, it, it's just it, it's hard for me personally to put a lot of stock in this in this basketball game. I I, I personally am choosing to to throw this out the window. Uh, maybe I, I need to revisit it at some point this season. Maybe I'll I'll eat my words on, on this or regret my decision to throw it out the window at some point. I I just think that, that they showed enough early on to think that this is going to be an outlier, a fluke, and not something that, that's common. Obviously, basketball is basketball. You're going to have some, some nights where you struggle. 
but I, I don't think that this is going to be too common for this basketball team. I, I thought tonight had more to do with having to deal with a freak in the paint and and the refs being whistle happy. And uh, if if they look like this offensively tomorrow, then okay, let let's let's maybe start to have those conversations. Uh, but even with that, Wes, and I said a moment ago, I think tomorrow's interesting. How how fair is it to even really judge Tennessee tomorrow if they come out kind of sluggish offensively? Because I would not at all be surprised if they come out sluggish because of just how physical of a basketball game they they just played. And it's it's gonna be real hard for them to 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 get going tomorrow, quite frankly. Already playing three games in, in three days, and you just had a, a very, very physical basketball game against the number two team in the country and how many times did jay billis and dan shulman point out like hey there's another guy on the floor oh there, there's another guy on the floor there's two guys on the floor there's three guys on the floor I, I even think that maybe tomorrow's performance should have some grace that comes with it as well because the the circumstances of tomorrow's game isn't going to be the only other time that you're going to face those type of circumstances if you is if you make a run in the SEC tournament in terms of playing three games in three days. Yeah, and I got some some news here that may be irrelevant by the time that this podcast is published, but as the time we're recording this, uh, the number one team in the country is down 15 points with 16 minutes to go. So uh, unless Kansas mounts a furious rally here, uh, Tennessee will be playing the other co-best team in college basketball tomorrow, and that team will also be pissed off. So yeah, like you're you're gonna you know that that that's gonna be part of it. But we also talk about Tennessee's depth and how much that should be a factor, and maybe that gives Tennessee a chance to show that that they have that depth and. Um, I just think my this is the last point I got, Ben, is that I, I've tried to say this. The point I've been trying to make, and I've tried to make it several times over the past couple of years, is that Tennessee has done a really nice job to get to this point as a basketball program, and it should not be taken for granted. It should not be scoffed at. Look at what happened for Tennessee football when Philip Fulmer left. Look how quickly things can go the other way and get really nasty for a while. But what but the the point I'm making is that the, the level where Tennessee is now to the level it wants to get to is the hardest step to make. It's the hardest step to make. And the level of accountability that has to be there to make that step has to be off the charts. Like it, it it's it's no like you're you're going to have moments where you don't like calls, you don't like games, breaks have gone against you. But the very first thing you have to do, and I would like to think this team is old enough to do this, is to very, very first look in the mirror and look at some things that could have been and should have been better, that they could have controlled. Because life is, is not about you know what you deserve, it's about what you get. And you can't feel sorry about things. You can't dwell on a call that happened yesterday or a call that happened a minute ago. Like You got to look at what you can do better and and that's how you take that next step, right? And then you hope you get lucky on top of that because you need some luck along the way. And that's how programs like South Carolina have gone to a Final Four. So, I mean, that stuff happens, but in Loyola, et cetera. But, like, I, I, I just think that's why I say what I say. It's not at all to disparage, discredit, spit upon anything in this Tennessee program, which I think is run exceptionally well by good people. I just think from where they are, to where they want to get to 
it's a hard step and you got to look at yourself. And I, I just hope that they're doing that because there are things they could have done in that game better. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, I, I would be absolutely stunned if, if there's not an element to, to looking at themselves in the mirror. I mean, this team has great leadership. They have a ton of veterans. They, they don't point fingers. They, they don't look for excuses. They, they look to get better. Uh, so I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. I would be very surprised if, if that ended up being an issue for this basketball team. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my point in there maybe being some, some grace tomorrow is that if Tennessee were to lose tomorrow, there's going to be a freakout mode, panic mode, and, and, and the narrative's going to start to, and then you go to Carolina to the, the, the narrative's going to start to, to be had. And, and it's like that. Like I'm sorry. Like if Tennessee struggles tomorrow offensively and and loses, like I'm not gonna all of a sudden have all these red flags. Like they're, they're playing a third game in three days after a physical and emotional game against Purdue that not many teams would would be able to to play and then then play the next day. There there there's not a more physical basketball team in the country than Tennessee. You you heard Jay Billis on the broadcast say that there is a team in the country that. Tennessee will play against that that is more physical than them. They they may be as physical, as in shape, as strong, but there won't be one that that's in better shape than Tennessee because of what Garrett Medinwall has has done. So I, I just I really don't want to have those conversations. Like the 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 first sign of struggles, people love to 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 break out all the different narratives around Rick Barnes and, and I'm just I'm not doing it this year. I, I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm, well, I'm not unless not. they, unless, maybe if they fall off a cliff or something, then we'll have yes, to have conversations. Obviously. But yeah, no, I, I'm just not expecting that. No, I think it is important as those of us who who do what we do, we can't tell people how to think or feel, but we can, we probably do have some say in like the general, the the state of discourse from time to time. And I think it's you know it's, it's the responsible thing to do, to be honest. But to also that doesn't mean that you just tell angry fans that they're right all the time. I mean, sometimes you just you gotta say, I don't agree with you. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, Tennessee, when you play a schedule the way they're playing right now, you're going to lose some games. Like it just, it, you just are. And so, uh, sometimes you lose them and you, you gotta, you gotta just learn from it and get better and go, go get the next one. And we'll see if they do. I mean, that that's, listen, I, that was not, there's nothing whatsoever to be for them to be ashamed about right now. They know they kind of weird game. Let one get away. Well, you might, you don't get a chance to play Purdue again, maybe in, until later in the year or next time you play them. But you might get a chance for some payback on Hunter Dickinson tomorrow. That maybe should fire you yep. up a little bit. So yep. hey, go out there and take advantage of it. Right, go go take out your frustrations on that guy. I think a lot of people around the country wouldn't be un, unhappy to see that. No, not at all. And at the end of the day, Kansas is the number one team in the country. Uh, even if they lose to Marquette, they won't be on Monday. But in the time being, they are still the number one team in the country, and and, and that'll be a nice consolation uh, prize. So I I think tonight was fluky. What we'll end up seeing if if it proves to be fluky, because good teams they they have fluky performances, or I should say, great teams have fluky performances. But what makes great teams great is that they're just fluky and they don't become consistent. Mm -hmm. and, and we'll see if Tennessee can avoid that. So a uh, quicker turnaround tomorrow than from Syracuse to Purdue, uh, Tennessee, and what seems to be Kansas. We'll, we'll see if uh, Marquette ends up finishing them off. But uh, as the current score holds, if it holds, 
It'll be Tennessee and Kansas tomorrow at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. It's on ESPN or ESPN2. I haven't looked since it's at 2.30. I would I would guess it's on ESPN2. One of them. It, it'll be on the ESPN channels, and, and uh, it'll be on the site if, if you need. To. There's a million ways to, to find where the channel is at. Uh, so, and it'll be on our site if, if you do need to find it. So, uh, Wes and I will be back tomorrow and we certainly appreciate everybody listening and Wes always appreciate you. Appreciate you, Ben. Happy. I guess I would say happy Thanksgiving now, but I'll talk to you tomorrow and probably on Thanksgiving. So I don't know why I would be saying it now, but anyways, happy, uh, Tuesday before Thanksgiving or Wednesday before Thanksgiving, whatever day it is now. It is now Wednesday, so I will speak to you for another podcast later today. That's Wes Rucker. I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Go Balls 24-7 postgame podcast. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. 
See you guys. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.